My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of this programme will know, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And today, that mission takes us to Northern Ireland, where we're joined by Stuart Penrose. Uh, Stuart, welcome. Good morning, Scott. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure, Stuart. And uh, just for the listeners that may not be familiar with uh, Stuart here, um, he owns um, a collection of businesses in Northern Ireland, namely Penrose Roofing and Copper Ridge Systems Limited, but also um, as the CEO of About Them as well, a uh, new business. Um, So plenty to uh, to go at there. And uh, Stuart, you've um, been sort of self-employed within your businesses for more than uh, 25 years. Um, At what point did you kind of realise that, you know, going into business for yourself was going to be the, uh, the way for you? and uh, what is the uh, the background behind sort of going into business for yourself because I imagine there's quite a, uh, a story behind that <laughs> yeah there is uh, well, yeah, um, I think going into business yourself is something that really it, it comes it comes to you it's something that's inside you it's a, it's a drive um, you always think you can do things better I suppose and um, that was something that sort of it was an ambition of mine to go out on my own uh, from a very young age I would say maybe 19, 20 year old um, I always wanted to go into business and do things for myself I never really was a, a 9 to 5 mindset um, you know and self-employment certainly isn't a 9, a nine to 5 mindset it's a, a 7 days a week thing mm. uh, so yeah that, 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 that was probably a driving force at the beginning was to, to sort of improve basically yeah, fantastic. And um, your business, of course, uh, when sort of you first started um, Stuart Penrose Roofing, um, that was very much during the uh, the height of the uh, the troubles, wasn't it? And uh, you were having to deal right, with yeah. the uh, the fallout of uh, of that as you were carrying out yeah. uh, your work, weren't you? And then um, that obviously must have come with a, a suite of operational challenges, I suppose, sort of trying to work in an environment such as that. Well, it was, you know, I mean, when, when I started my business at first, I would have been, I'm, I'm a heritage specialist, so I would have specialised in um, heritage refurbishment, historic buildings. Um, during the Troubles in Northern Ireland, a lot of those buildings were owned by the Ministry of Defence and the local police authority. They had taken over buildings that courthouses, uh, barracks and stuff, and there was a real shortage of labour in them because it was quite risky to actually work in those environments. Mm. Um, you were seen as possibly maybe an enemy of the state at that point. So there was a real lack of skill. Obviously, these buildings got damaged through terrorist attacks or even general upkeep. So I started my business off uh, in a cloud of secrecy, I suppose, um, back then. But it was a good environment to learn. Um, commercially, it wasn't really sensitive, so the, the pricing and the rates were very, very good, and that allowed me to grow quite quickly uh, within that environment. And one that I enjoyed, bringing on men, you know, staff had to be security cleared, um, various other bits and pieces along the way. It was, it was challenging. Um, coming home, I couldn't live at home at that point because the security risk was so high, so I operated my business from a secure um, location in Northern Ireland. And, travel to them possibly at the weekends if, if, if it was safe to do so. Yeah, so very, very difficult sort of working conditions. It was, but it was challenging. Yeah, yeah, but certainly conducive to uh, to learning. And then when all of that suddenly ended with the uh, the peace process, all of a sudden yeah. your market was completely disrupted, wasn't it? And there wasn't really yeah. a great deal of support for adjusting to that new environment, was there? There certainly wasn't. No, you know, SMEs, there was a lot of businesses like mine that operated within that uh 
hold of secrecy, basically. So they had no commercial profile. We didn't have any advertising on our vans for obvious reasons. We didn't promote, you know, online or any type of advertising. So we were only known, our expertise would have only been known to those within those circles. When the Peace Post, everyone welcomed the Peace Process. Of course we did. Um, but one of the, the, the main aspects of the Peace Process was that all that refurbishment work was stopped dead. There was no more investment in that, that, that market. Um, we would have maybe lost whew, maybe £10 million pounds worth of work within that sector would have been shelved almost instantly. Um, while other sort of members of the security forces like the RUC was disbanded, there was the Ulster Defence Regiment was disbanded, they all got quite generous payoffs. Um, severance payments and sort of guided back into the market where we got absolutely nothing, nothing at all. We were just basically forgotten about and that is an issue that hasn't just sort of died a death when it happened back then, is it? I mean, SMEs at the moment are also in a situation where they probably need a great deal of support, certainly post-COVID, but maybe yeah. they're still not getting that support that's, uh, that's required. And that has Absol- an effect. Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. SMEs are one of the largest employers, uh, especially here in Northern Ireland, and they contribute something like 90% of... Uh, private sector income and turnover. And there's small businesses that traditionally operate in rural locations where they employ fathers, sons, daughters, mothers, and, you know, and there's a high retention of staff. Um, and, you know, even during COVID, you saw that the, the support just simply wasn't there. Blue chip companies, larger companies, they got a lot of support. I think we lost quite a lot of young, enthusiastic entrepreneurs during COVID purely down to the lack of support and the lack of lack of value that government actually puts on uh, SMEs, which are hard-working, a real hard-working community. Anybody who's running a small business will know themselves that the amount of effort and work and time it takes to keep that business going. And you do tend to feel a little bit snubbed. Understandably so as well, and um, especially in yeah. Northern Ireland, um, people talk yeah, about a double-pronged sort of Brexit impact, but I suppose in Northern yeah. Ireland it's been felt more than anywhere in the UK because of the effects of the uh, the protocol that's in play there at the yeah. moment. And um, of course. So businesses, local businesses certainly need support to sort of cash in on some of the opportunities that are there, but what kind of support is sort of needed from your perspective? Uh, from uh, What does the government need to do to help? I think really what we need is education about the protocol. The protocol is one of those half glass half empty, glass half full scenarios. You can look at it both ways, and you know we need to educate it on the benefits of the protocol. A lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the press around the protocol here locally will be from a traditional viewpoint. Okay, so one side of the community wants to welcome it for further and other side of the community feels that it's a disconnection from, from the UK market. We need educators. We need uh, small businesses need educated on how we can benefit. But there is certainly pieces in the system that need to be ironed out. Me from a businessman, I, I, I see I don't see problems, I see solutions very, very quickly. I can actually see a solution to the problems that people perceive are there to make we have a footprint into Europe, like, you know, you have to look at the benefits of that. And there is massive benefits of that if we can just iron out the creases. Education isn't there, you know, one and the change. The, the government, this uncertainty, 
anyone would tell you the, the biggest crime in business is uncertainty of the market moving forward. And that's what we have. And that's the key thing to get over, isn't it? And I think uh, what's important uh, there is yeah. that the unilateral action side of things that the UK government is pushing for at the moment, try and just kind of yeah. row that back and just look at it a little bit more broadly and just see like, of course, yeah. there are little conditions in there, like say creases, as you say, that do need to be ironed out, but there are opportunities there because like Northern Ireland is sort of closer to Europe than the, the rest of the UK effectively Correct. at the moment. And there are advantages Absolutely. there. Yeah. The, 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 what we were hit was a triple whammy. We had COVID, we had supply issues due to COVID, we had Brexit, uh, and then the protocol, all mixed in the one pot. Now, they are very, each one of those items are very challenging on their own. Stick three of them in the one pot, and yes, you've got a bit of a boiling temperature going in there. Uh, COVID was universal. We, 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 we accepted that that was coming down the line and we, we dealt with it. We've dealt with it very, very well. Northern Ireland businesses are extremely robust. You know, they're used to shocks and they're used to overcoming certain challenges. Brexit and the protocol has opened up a whole load of challenges purely down to the uncertainty. You know, I mean, there's a lot of distrust in anything that comes out of Westminster that this is going to be the way forward. And now we see it rolling back again. Um, so really, at the minute, we're in limbo because we're not really sure what way forward this is going to go. And I think that's damaging. Uh, that's damaging in inward investment. It's damaging consumer confidence, uh, which is already under pressure because of the cost of living crisis we have as well. So right. I think we need clarity. Clarity needs to be right at the fore um, of any news reports that's coming out because they're very confusing at the moment. Exactly. That clarity is going to be important for business. And as it is, I mean, of course, you're operating course. businesses of your own in Northern Ireland today, Copperidge Systems Correct. being one that was sort of formed after um, sort of what happened with the Penrose Roofing during the year, uh, the troubles. And I um, understand that the uh, the idea behind that business was to sort of reduce yep. the amount of lead used in roof construction. So that's sort of very interesting, Correct. isn't it? Yeah. Well, we live in Ireland, you know, I mean, if we get if we get drought or we get lack of rain for two weeks with a hose pipe barn, you know, when we're in Ireland, you know, I mean, that could actually be the, the start of a comedy sketch. Let's be honest about it. We get the largest rainfall in the whole of the UK. Uh, two weeks later, we've, we've got a hose pipe barn. What we tried to do was introduce and what we've done successfully, to be fair, is that we said, like, okay, any new build that goes up, make provisions for a storage tank for water, rainwater underground that can be pumped back up. We only drink or what we call potable water is 5% of the water we use. The rest of it is used for washing machines, toilet baths, uh, and everything else. The only thing is no one wants to harvest that water through lead. Lead is banned in petal for a good reason. It's banned in paint for a good reason. It's also banned for uh, supplying water into your home. So we suggest take the lead out of every new build, make a provision for a storage tank for water, harvest all the rainwater and pump that back up for your non-possible use. And that has been very successful. Yeah, that's fantastic. And uh, your other business, I'm about them as well. Um, that's also got sort of the environment at its heart because you're trying to change the yeah. way that sort of people are remembered and uh, by sort of yeah. looking at the fresh cut flower market, which obviously is sort of has impact on intensive farming and obviously the carbon footprint. Yeah, sustainability to me and, and social responsibility in business is the is the way forward. Mm. Um, you know, 
our young people coming through now are very socially aware, they're very environmentally aware, and thank goodness they are. You know, primary school kids are taught from P1 how to recycle and the importance of the, the, the environment around about them. So, you know, harvesting that all together and bringing that all together, sustainability is the way forward. I think, you know, especially for small, medium-sized enterprises, I think they're going to have to have I think it's very important that they have a social awareness and they have a, a sustainability uh, uh, at the fore of what they do. About them is a new. It's, about them is very challenging. Um, it, it, the concept getting out there and sort of changing historically the way we we remember our loved ones was was always you're kind of messing around with Christmas. I don't say that lightly, but you're you're kind of changing the way people have traditionally always approached things. About them is about harvesting um, and using um, our online technology. QR codes, QR mm-hmm. codes. We about them conceptually was done maybe four years ago, but QR codes weren't in everyday use during COVID. QR codes were used on your phones to enter restaurants, pubs, bars. It was used to order your menu sitting at a table. So everyone was very QR aware. We're working with a dynamic QR code, which allows us to. Uh, change the information but not change the code. So if someone buys one of our plaques and subscribes to our site, then they can update family members uh, onto that site. Through, and then anyone visiting the place of rest can get videos, they can get uh, all those. So it's about celebration of life. It's, not, it's, it's about changing the way we actually look uh, at our lost ones. And it's about celebrating mm. the life, all the good times, all, all the good stuff. Uh, and we're looking at bringing that onto a VR, virtual reality, which is probably having a lot of people frown at this point. But, you know, the technology is there. The wearable VR units are there. And we're working now to, so it's not unusual or it won't be beyond the bounds of thought that in a few years' time you could actually attend your great-grandmother's wedding. Which I love the idea. I think the concept's fantastic. Yeah, it's a fantastic idea and a real, real change. And it sort of, I wanted to touch on those two businesses just because of the sustainability and social responsibility side of things. And and it shows that SMEs are really going to be important in the UK government's drive toward, you know, sort of the net zero green agenda. And this again sort of reiterates why, you know, the small guys need support to be able to sort of keep going, keep forming that backbone of the economy and also keep driving the government's agenda forward. It's going to play a key, key role, isn't it? We're going to force the change. SMEs will force the change. We'll bring about the change. We're the innovators. Um, you know, we, 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 I, I look around me and I'm very proud to be part of, of this group of people who do uh, bring about change. And they bring about change in a positive way, you know, and they're very, very hardworking. We're a very, very hardworking community of people. And that the, the, they'll force the change. They'll, they'll make the change happen. And, you know, it's all around us. Um, you know, anybody we speak to, especially about them, they're really excited about the concept. We're, you know, uh, big, large headstones. We're struggling for, for, for space, for burial. Cremation is, is the fastest growing sector within that, and, and a lot of young people are, 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 are moving towards cremation. Whereas before, even when I was younger, it was very just the odd person got cremated. Now it's very, very popular. So now we can create a, their place of rest. We can put so much information, so much personality about the person um, in a very small space, and the scope and, and, and the, the, you know, 
it's, limited, well, it's, it's not limited really what we can put up there, but it's about a celebration of life and about the people reflecting the, 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 the personality, uh, whereas a headstone or gravestone doesn't give you that. So that, you know, that business is, as I say, it's exciting, it's new, it's groundbreaking, but that's what we do. It is exactly right. Um, and um, moving forward um, over the um, the next uh, few months and indeed years um, in this uncertain environment that we're seeing here, I'd be interesting, Stuart, just before we wrap up the uh, the discussion today, sure. um, what it is that you're sort of looking to achieve within that period of time, let's say sort of 12 months from now, where do you see yourself and your businesses within this uncertain environment that we're in? First and foremost, of course, more support is needed for SMEs such as yourselves, but what are you really hoping to achieve? I, I, in the next 12 months moving forward, what I would like to do is I'd like to get a grip um, on obviously the protocol. I, I would like, I really like to see some certainty uh, coming down the line from Westminster and here in the local government to, to give us something, foundation to move forward that's not going to chop and change. I think once we get that out of the way, um, I would like about them, that that business to spread mainly into the UK and Ireland and further afield. Um, sustainability, uh, we, we want to bring, we're, we're still, the roofing is still very, very active and the, and the copper and the zinc is, is, is still a very, very good business. We want that to become the norm. Over the next 12 months, that's what we hope to do. We, ha- we hope to, to make about them uh, as normal as an obituary in the paper. And anyone who's building a new house or, or even refurbishing, our, their, their first mind is sustainability moving forward. That, that, that's really what we'd like to achieve in the next 12 months. Yeah, and that's going to be important, isn't it? As like I say, we've we've covered the net zero massive. and sustainability agenda, and SME is going to play yeah. such a key role yeah, in that. And massive. yeah, it's going to be interesting to see exactly just how it all pans out. Certainly for your businesses, yeah. uh, Stuart, and certainly in Northern Ireland as a whole, with uh, the uh, the protocol, and it's in a constant state of flux with talks going on as they are. So certainly something to very much keep an eye on. And I think as we understand more about that over the coming months. I would love the opportunity to actually catch up and have you back on the uh, the program with us just to see what's changed uh, with the situation. Yeah, well, really, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it would be um, it would be very educational to to have this conversation twelve months from now. And let's just see exactly what's happened with the protocol. I think the creases will be ironed out. Um, I think a lot of heads will get knocked together between Europe and um, Westminster, and I think we will be maybe having the conversation now about the opportunities 12 months from now for small, medium-sized enterprises in Northern Ireland to expand into Europe with this, because uh, we're on the doorstep. Absolutely, and let's hope that that does come to pass, certainly, because it is a huge opportunity out there that business can go and seize. It just, of Must. course, needs the conditions to be able to capitalise. I, I, think, I, think, I think it's the most exciting thing facing us, you know, and when we can shake off COVID, but I, I think the opportunities are really, really exciting. And I, I'm, I, for one, am enthusiastic about the future. Yep, fantastic. I know that's, that's, yeah. that's maybe against the trend uh, every time you switch on the news, but yeah, we have to remain positive. I can see the positives definitely mm. moving forward. Yep, and that optimism is absolutely infectious as well, Stuart. We certainly need um, a dose more of that. Um, thank you um, <laughs> yeah. for sure as well in uh, joining us on the uh, the program as well. Um, look forward to certainly catching up in the future. Really, really, really enjoyed it. Thanks yep. for the opportunity.
Thank you very much, Stuart. It was an immense pleasure having you join us on the programme. And uh, to all listeners tuning in today, I do hope that you all thoroughly enjoyed listening to myself and Stuart Penrose on the Leaders' Council podcast today. And to anyone tuning in as well, um, if you do happen to be a business owner yourself or run your own organisation of any kind with its own story to share with us, then by all means, we also want to hear from you. So why not also apply to be on the programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply and share your story of success and innovation with us too um to all of our regular listeners you've been tuning into the leaders council podcast with your host scott challoner please do take care and goodbye